Thanks for tuning in to MANA, a short daily meditation to feed hungry souls with God's Word. These episodes were prepared by ordained ministers for a radio broadcast called Voice of the Church and are now republished by the Reformed Perspective Foundation, a Canadian charity that applies biblical truth to the issues of our time. Here's today's serving. Dear listeners, as you may know, the churches that produce this outreach program subscribe not only to the three ecumenical creeds, which are the Apostles' Creed, the Nicene Creed, and the Athanasian Creed, but we also subscribe to what we call the three forms of unity. They are the Belgic Confession, the Heidelberg Catechism, and the Canons of Dort. This month, that first form of unity, known as the Belgic Confession, has our attention, and today we'll continue with the second article of that Belgic Confession. That's the article that focuses on how we are to know God. Well, in Article 2, we confess that we know God in two ways. First, we know God by the creation, preservation, and government of the universe. It can be said that universe is before our eyes as a most elegant book. It often referred to God's general revelation. To drive that analogy home to us, it goes on to say of the universe that all of the creatures in it, both great and small, are as so many characters or letters leading us to see clearly the invisible things of God, even his everlasting power and divinity, as the Apostle Paul says in his letter to the Romans. Notice, God's creation, as well as his preservation and government of the universe, are like a beautiful book, and all the creatures in that universe are as letters. It is clear that the Church is confessing here that the universe may be read as a book, a book made up of many letters which need to be read and understood properly and correctly in order to get the Word, that is, the revelation of the Lord revealed, conveyed in them and by them. What we mean is this. The way that book is read and understood is intimately related to the faith commitment of the reader. Its interpretation is directly related to what we believe. The moment we realize that that is precisely what it is the Church is confessing here, it becomes clear that what is true of the first book of God's general revelation is also true of the second book, the Bible, also known as God's special revelation. One thing that needs to be understood, however, is that this article of the Belgic Confession, we attest to the limits of this revelation, namely, in the Bible, God has made himself known to us as much as we need to know him in this life for his glory and for our salvation. That's a most significant confession. In a man-centered world, in a world where all sorts of information and knowledge is available in this computer age, with the click of a mouse, in that world, the Church of Jesus Christ confesses that it is God and his glory that is second to none. God has made himself known for his own glory, and he sent his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, for his own glory. That is first and foremost. But we often hear that we all know who God is. We pray to him. We read his word. We talk about him. He is the creator of the world. He is the father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He is a God of love and compassion, a God of faithfulness and justice, the God who is righteous in all his ways. This is how he has revealed himself in his word, the Bible. However, 
There are many things about God that we do not know, many things which God in his infinite wisdom and sovereign majesty judged that we, mortal human beings, do not yet need to know. God himself set these limits, and he wants us to recognize and honor these limits he has set. King David talks about this in Psalm 131. O Lord, he says, my heart is not lifted up, my eyes are not raised too high, I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. We all know there are many interpretations of the Bible. The Apostle Paul says, for example, that the Jews to this day read the Bible, that is the Old Testament, with a veil over their eyes, and many liberal theologians reading the exact same words that you and I read in the Bible come to conclusions that we would never accept. Here are some examples. We believe that Jesus was born of a virgin. We believe that Jesus walked on the Sea of Galilee. We believe that he arose bodily from the grave. We believe that he ascended bodily into heaven. And we believe that he sent the Holy Spirit to us. We believe that because that is how we read and understand the words of Scripture. We don't read different words in the Bible, but we read the words of the Bible differently. And see, that is also why we believe that it makes all the difference in the world who teaches us and our children how to read the Holy Scriptures. We don't ask a rabbi. We must not ask a liberal theologian to teach us how to read the Word of the Lord recorded on the pages of the Bible, because we know that is potentially misleading and disastrous. Allow me to illustrate that point by relating to you three different ways in which people have talked about the sun. Many tribes and nations long ago before the advent of modern science worshipped the sun as a god. Almost from the beginning, people worshipped the sun as the generous source of light and life and as a god, called Ra by the Egyptians, Helios by the Greeks, and Sol by the Romans. From the beginning of history and literature, human beings have worshipped the sun. The Apostle Paul says in his letter to the congregation at Rome, they worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator. Well, you can be sure modern man is not interested in sun worship. As a matter of fact, he does not really want to worship anyone other than himself and the work of his own hands. However, the secular man talks about the sun as he talks about himself, namely as a creature who has the power and the ability, and the freedom to act on its own while ignoring his Creator. How different the psalmist speaks, dear listener, with the words of Psalm 104 we sing, The seasons are fixed by wisdom divine. The slow-changing moon shows forth God's design. The sun in his circuit his Maker obeys, and running his journey hastes nor delays. The psalmist confesses that the sun is a servant of God. It is a creature that is subject to the will of its creator. With that confession, it is easy to understand that a person's confessional starting point determines how he or she reads and understands the book of God, general revelation, namely God's creation, the universe. Let me quote the book of Psalms once more from Psalm 19. We read, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor 
are their words whose voices are heard. Nevertheless, their voice goes out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. You can be sure Old Testament King David, the writer of Psalm 19, had not been reading the universe like a book. Rather, he had been listening to the creation as if it were to a symphony. Yes, he heard the heavens telling the glory of God. That's quite a confession. Not only that, it is also a confessional starting point. With Psalm 111, we confess that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. As you may know, many Christian schools have the text inscribed on their letterhead. We confess those words to be true for our faithful understanding of courses such as history, language, Bible, geography, and science, to name a few. But what we must also understand is this, the fear of the Lord must also come to expression in the way we read God's general revelation. We must not make the mistake of thinking that God's general revelation can be treated as neutral terrain by any means. Because the fact is, says the Bible, God speaks through the works of his hands. Yes, it is true. We said in Psalm 9 a few moments ago, there is no speech. That is, there is no real words spoken in God's general revelation. The trees have no voice, and the stars utter no speech. Nevertheless, their voice, we can also say, their witness, their testimony, goes out through all the earth. And because we believe that the Almighty Creator speaks every moment of every day in and through everything He has made, there is no man alive who can stand neutrally over and against that revelation. Please tune in next week as we continue on this train of thought. We will quickly conclude the first part in which we will talk about creation telling us the glory of God. We will then move on to the second way in which God reveals himself, through his word, or what we call scripture, or the Bible. May the Lord bless you and keep you and your family. May his spirit guide you to him daily. We are Voice of the Church, and you can visit us at www.voiceofthechurch.org.